You can imagine how that would go. People were standing in long lines to try and get booked on another flight to where they had to be. And one person avoided the, the long line and came running up to the desk, shoved their way in front. And they said, I need to be in New York. I need to be on this flight and I need to be on that flight now. And the attendant who was taking care of all this said, well, sir, there's a lot of people that are in line in front of you. You'll have to get at the end of the line and wait your turn. They weren't very glad to hear that. And they said, do you know who I am? Without missing a beat, the agent grabbed hold of the PA system and said over the PA system, we have a man here who does not know who he is. If anyone can help us, please come to the, to the desk. Well, with that, he was kind of put in his place and he walked humbly back to the end of the line to wait for his turn. Sometimes we just want to get someone's attention. If we feel if we can get their attention, we can get done what we need to get done. Attention is certainly a thing that we like. As we're young, we like to get the attention of the adults as they watch us do the different things that we do. And we think that's kind of fun. Even when we're older, we still like to have attention. We like people to pay attention to the things we're doing. We like people to pay attention to things we're saying. We like attention. God has some things to say about attention. We're going to look at that in Proverbs chapter 4. But the effects of pride, as we've been looking at it, just to remind you of way back in the beginning when we started this, some of the effects of pride, that even though we are serving God, if we have pride going on the inside of us, pride will harden our heart. Even if we are serving God, pride will harden our heart. And we looked at people who were in this condition. Pride makes us resistant to correction. There are many bad sides to pride, but this certainly is one of them. It makes us resistant to correction. We become unteachable, unthankful, and unaccountable when we get into pride. Can you see why God doesn't like it? Revelation will not come, and we will not receive, even if it did. To overcome whatever difficult or impossible task is in front of us. Because when we face something difficult or impossible, God wants to give us the ability to overcome it. Isn't, don't we serve the God of the impossible? But when we get caught up in pride, if someone asks us to do something that we feel is difficult or impossible, we get upset. That's a sign that you're in pride. You should simply... Father God, what should I do with this situation? We looked at an example of someone who was asked to do something he thought was impossible and got so mad, he was ready to kill a prophet. King was ready to kill a prophet. And something the prophet didn't even do. A lot of times, Christians, we hide behind service to God, but just because we are in service to God does not mean we are not in pride. It can get us anywhere. And the enemy tries to pull us in. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, My son, give attention to my words... Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. I was reminded of this verse as we were going over some of these things, getting ready for today. And I was beginning to think, you know, this has got to be one of my top ten favorite scriptures. 
And so then I thought, I ought to make a list of what my top ten favorite scriptures are. I've never made that list before. You know, sometimes it's the, whatever you have the most revelation in at that moment. That can be your, one of your top ten favorite things. But I've, I've gone over this over and over. I think that Brother David Ingalls had it on one of his albums. Because I can hear his voice saying it. Just going over this. And this is something we need to keep in mind. Look at what he says again. My son, give attention to my words. Give attention to my words. How often do we zone out words? And we've got good practice at it. How many of you zone out commercials? Commercial comes on, you zone it out. You know, my wife will sometimes, did you see what they... No, I wasn't even paying attention. Didn't even pay, don't know what they said. We just, I mean, we're in the same room. We're hearing the same thing. Zone it right out. Don't even listen. How many times have we been in the, in the store and they're playing some kind of music that you don't like? And what do you do? Tune it out. Not even listening to it. Don't even hear it. But he says, my son, give attention to my words. The words that come from God are of utmost importance. But just because they are words of God does not make them valuable. At least not to us. What makes them valuable to us is when we give attention to them. If I don't give attention to the words of God, can they make a difference in my life? Can they do anything for me at all? I've got to give attention to it. The words of God are always important, but they're not important to me unless I give attention to them. I've got to do something with it. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Does that sound like those words are something we ought to get a hold of? The words are life. The words are health. Too often, folks, we're looking for other things for life and health. We're not looking to the words of God. We're not doing the words of God. We're not hanging on to the words of God. We need to give our full attention to whatever the word of God has to say. That when God is speaking through his word to us, we we give him our attention. I'm listening. Father God, what is it you want to say? When God stops us in the middle of the day and gives us revelation, gives us understanding on something, what do we do? Do we stop? Or we keep doing what we're doing? Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. He goes on with this. Keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart with all diligence. Your heart won't keep itself. You've got to keep it. I mean, you have a garden outside. That garden doesn't keep itself, does it? You've got to keep it. Neither does your heart. Other, kind of other things are trying to sow themselves into your heart. Don't let it. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. It's important for you to keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it, out of your heart, spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. He's telling you how to keep your heart. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. What comes out of your mouth? The abundance of your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth 
speaks. So when he says, put away from you a deceitful mouth, he's talking about your heart. And, your, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead. And your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Don't be distracted. When God says to do something, go out there and do it. Get it done. Don't be distracted. Got to learn the ways of the military. Military, when you're told, do this, what are you supposed to do? Follow the order. Do it. That's it. He did. You don't go back to the commander and say, well, I was doing that, but then, you know, this thing happened. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear, I got it done. They don't want to hear about what you overcame, what problems you had. All they want to hear is, did you get it done? That's it. Get it done. That's what we got to do. So he says, give attention to. We got to give attention to his words. We must give attention. I have attention. How many of y'all have attention? You have attention. What are you going to give it to? He says, give attention to my words. I summed it up this way. Be attentive to what you hear, what you see, and what you believe. Be attentive to what you hear. Incline your ear to my sayings. What you see, do not let them depart from your eyes. And what you believe, keep them in the midst of your heart. That's giving attention. Then he also says, keep your heart. We went over some of those things. Well, when the word of God is revealed to us, when God has revealed something in his word, when God has spoken something to us, when God has done something for us in that way, the enemy has a scheme. He has a way to try and come at you. First off, he's going to try and get you to doubt the source. If God has spoken to you, he is going to try and get you to doubt. Was that really God? What do you say in the garden? Has God really said Right? What's he trying to do? We've got we to gotta first off get you to question the source. Did, did God really say that? I mean, was it God? Are you sure you heard that from God? I mean, was that really his word? I mean, people wrote that. Is that really his word? It's going to get you to doubt the source. Is that, is that Bible really that important to you? Should it really mean, aren't there other things that you can be learned from? Hmm. It's going to try and get you to doubt its source. If he can't work it to get you to doubt its source, he's going to displace its application. What do I mean by that? Simply this. I put this in parentheses. Others, not you. I don't know if I left that on your outline or not. Maybe I did. Others, not you. In other words, you heard something from God. Oh, that's good for brother so-and-so. They should be here. They should be hearing this. I can't believe they're not here. Right? We're going to displace... The application. Oh, my wife should be hearing this right now. My husband should be hearing this. I can't believe they're not here. I need to play this again so they can hear it. Right? We displace the application. It's, it's not for you. <laughs> no, you're, you're just fine on this. <laughs> right? It's somebody else who needs to hear it. Because it may be a good word. It may be a powerful word. It may have a whole lot of power. And if I don't do anything with it, what good is it? It's just like that. Uh, we talked about it before. Those things you find on the infomercials. I mean, they look wonderful. They function great on the commercial. They look great. And you get it in there and it's not quite as easy to clean up. It's not quite as easy to use. It's not quite as foolproof. And eventually it begins to be parked somewhere else. And you're not getting the function out of it. It's, uh, it's been displaced. <laughs> right? 
something else has taken its place and probably the old thing that you used to have. We've been, uh, we've been talking about that with the can opener, you know, in the house. You know, what, dear God, whatever happened to just the normal can opener that you can get? I love the old-fashioned can openers because they actually worked. And we got this new one because uh, the only reason we got it, we didn't get it because, oh, look at that. Wow. It wasn't that. The old one broke. We didn't have one. We had to go, the old, the old one breaks, you got to get a new one. So we got the new one, and it's one of those ones, you know, no blade, and the little round circle thing just kind of turns around, and somehow it magically just displaces the lid from, yeah, it works great on maybe in someplace else, but not in our house. You know, we're in there. I'm wrestling with it for a while. When I get tired of wrestling with it, she takes over and she wrestles with it for a while. And we get it all the way around and, except for two places. And you can't open it up. The can of tuna fish so closed up on two places. And then we get frustrated, too, because the old one used to cut the, the, the inner part out. How many of you ever know about this? You know, you open up tuna fish can. What do you got to do? You got to drain it. You got to drain it. Well, the way they do this new can opener, it cuts it out on the side. You can't drain it with the lid anymore. You can't press the lid into the tuna and squish all that juice out. And have nice dry tuna. And so now what you got to do is try and go put a fork in there and try and put, you still don't get it. It doesn't work as good. I want one that just cuts the lid out. You take that lid, just press it. Because that's what I'm mostly opening. I'm opening tuna fish. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. This place is application. This isn't for you. This is for someone else. Then it won't work for me. Then it won't, won't help me out. We doubt its source, displace its application, and if all else fails, confuse its meaning. Have you ever heard somebody who has, you recited a verse of scripture to? Oh, yeah, I know what that means. It means this. You're thinking, huh? <laughs> you, you got that out of there? Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh huh. Yep. Confuse its meaning. Remember when the, Jesus told the disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Remember he said that? And what did they get from it? Man, we forgot to bring bread. Oh, forgot to bring bread. Mm, man. Now, see, on the first one, they, he, the enemy couldn't doubt the source because we know where it came from. It came from Jesus. We know he's Christ. So well, that one went out the window. You go to the second one, displaces application. He's talking to them. They know he's talking to me. He's telling us. But what is he telling us? Oh, he's telling us, you forgot to bring bread. <laughs> so if all else fails, we confuse the meaning. Are they going to get out what they need to get out? No. And Jesus says, are you, ki- are you kidding me? Were you not there when we fed 4,000 people? Were you not there when we fed 5,000 people? And you think I'm concerned about bread? <laughs> and then it dawned on him. Oh, he's talking about the teaching. Oh, okay. Confuses meaning. So this is the enemy. This is the, the tactics of the enemy. If he can get you to doubt the source, if he can get you to doubt the, to displace the application or confuse the meaning, he's got you. You're not going to get it. He can hear all the word that you want. And it's not going to do you any good. I put this question up here in the beginning. Why are some so changed by the word of God they hear while others not so much? Have you ever wondered that? I wonder that sometimes. Because you look at some people, they get the word of God, they hear uh, some word of God, and they make massive changes in their life. And you hear other people, they're, they're in church all the time. They're constantly listening to stuff, but they never change. Never change. Still wrestling with the same things. Still facing the same battles. Same financial problems. Same health problems. 
Same sin problems. Same people problems. Nothing changes. Why does it not change? Because they're not taking the word that they get and not giving attention to it. They hear it, but they're not giving attention to it. You've got to put some attention to it. You've got to do something with it. You've got to focus on that thing. I'm going to get that thing working. I'm going to do what the Word of God said to do. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at, looked at that. Question, do you love me? God asked, do you love me? How does God know that you love Him? Because you have great feelings for Him? Great affection? Because you're in church? Because you pray? Because you do His commands. That's how He knows. That's how He knows. That's how He knows that you love Him. Because you do what He says. Take a look at some of the instruction that the he gave on this. In Matthew chapter 13. We just got finished reading the book of Matthew in the daily Bible reading. So I'm not covering all of this. Because I'm sure that everyone here is reading their chapter. Every day. And you would have read Matthew 13 just a few weeks ago. But when he gave the parable of the sower. His disciples came to him and asked him some questions about it. And they said, therefore, he says to them. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, are you and anyone? When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. Have you ever heard a word from God, either something God spoke to you or something that was revealed to you in the, in the word of God, something you read and you didn't understand it? That's not a good condition. If you don't understand it, it can be stolen. We say this all the time here, but whatever is written in the Word of God is for you to what? Understand. Whatever is written in the Word is for you to understand. If Jesus is telling us that our lack of understanding gives room for the enemy to steal it, then it must be His will for us to know it. If it's God's will for us to know and understand it, then we can do it. So he says, first off, this first group, they, uh, they didn't understand. And the enemy came and snatched it away. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. He has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Well, certainly this isn't meant for you, right? This is other people. Been in church. Somebody got up and preached the word of God. And they came out of there excited. Oh, did you hear that? Oh, that was so... Oh, I, mm, I didn't see that before. Oh, I'm so excited. And you find them a week or two later. And you start talking about that. What are you talking about? They even forgot it. It's gone. Well, they had an understanding of it. But they didn't give attention to it. They didn't do anything with it. If you don't give attention to it, it doesn't get rooted down on the inside of you. Put it to you this way. How many of you have ever started an exercise program? How, how many had one that did not last for more than a week? Ever had one? I mean, not, not all the time, but maybe one, once or twice you started an exercise program and it did not last more than a week. You got started, you got out there the first day, you got out there the second day, missed the third day, got out there the fourth day, missed the fifth day, got out there the sixth day and that was it. Never got out there again. Didn't do it. Whether it was walking, running, lifting, playing something, whatever it might be, whatever kind of exercise program you were on, you got into it, and then before long, 
it went away. You, you stop doing it. Well, you, sometimes we stop doing it because uh, it's not working. I don't know how anything cannot be working in six days, but sometimes that's, that's what it is. You know, it's, it's not working. Uh, you know, I, I've been, I was out there. I, I walked. Yeah, I walked three days this week. I didn't lose a pound. Yep. I was out there lifting. Nothing happened. No, what, what do you have to do with those programs when you get involved? You've got to stay with it. You've got to keep going. You've got to, you, you can't just give up. You've got to get that thing rooted down on the inside of you. So that when Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever days you picked out that you're going to do, when they come around, what are you going to do? I'm going to get out there. I'm going to, I'm going to go. I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go. And I'm going to, they had this, um, I hardly ever make the running group on Thursday night, but this week I did because there was a special event that didn't end up being as special as I thought it was going to be. It was still good, but it was just not as, as good as it was supposed to have been. And uh, this one company was out there, and they got the idea, and they had made these little whiteboards, and they said, why do you run? What's your incentive for running? And so you're supposed to write your incentive on the whiteboard, and they were going to take your picture, and they were going to put it up on their little board. I didn't know Polaroids still made cameras. Did you know Polaroids still made cameras? I didn't know that they still made them. I haven't heard about them, but apparently they still make cameras, and they now print right there in a little, little tiny, like uh, passport size picture. First time I'd seen one in years. I even told them. I didn't even know they were in business anymore. I thought they were gone. But there they were. Had a little Polaroid camera. He was taking a picture. And so, you know, and people were putting up all kinds of things. The, the guy that I got to, to uh, connect with, and we ran together for that night, he, I, I saw what he put on his, his thing. He put beer. That was his motivation for it. I'd say he, <laughs> that's not mine. Uh, other people, you know, they had other things that they would write on. And I went out to him. I says, I says, uh, I says, look, I know I'm an odd duck, and I know that I am an odd duck. I know that most people are not like me in this category. And I said, I don't run for any reason other than I love to run. He looked at me for a minute. and says, You just, you just like to run? Yeah. I don't even need to race. I just love the fact that I get to run every day. He says, well, I guess you just write that on there. <laughs> what's, what's your, now, most people don't have that as a motivation. Most people, you know, it's to lose weight. Most people, it's to, to get fit. Most, it, whatever, whatever your reason for exercise is the reason, and that's your motivation. Most people don't have the motivation to be the thing itself. So I understand. I'm an odd duck. I'm, I'm a little weird that way, but most runners are weird in some way. Just the nature of the of the beast, so to speak. But what's your motivation for it? You've got to get motivated that when the revelation of God comes, you stay with it. Because if you stop doing what God gave you revelation on, it won't take root. It doesn't take root. If you got into the habit that you are walking five days out of the week and you had to set what days it were, when you came to that day in the week, and you didn't walk. I didn't walk yet. I didn't walk. It's bothering you. I need to get out there. I need to walk. Why? Because it became entrenched in you. It became part of you. If you put in your repertoire of, I'm going to eat healthier. How many have ever said that? I'm going to eat healthier. Yeah. Healthier for some people meant you went to McDonald's and got a salad instead. But anyway, whatever it is healthier is going to be, you're going to eat healthier. You're going to take things in and, and you, you do that. But after you do healthy for a while, if you go back to unhealthy, what happens? You don't, your body doesn't accept it quite as well. 
I mean, if you, if you had a, a two Twinkie a day habit and you cut down to no Twinkies, no Twinkies at all, and you did that for a couple of months, that would come entrenched in you, I'm not eating Twinkies. And then if you all of a sudden went out there and said, I used to love these things, let me try one, and you ate one, what happens? It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It's, it's oh, that's, I used to like these things. Oh, why? Because something else became rooted on the inside simply because you did something. If you don't do what the revelation comes to you to do, it won't get rooted and other stuff will push it away. There's no root. There's no strength in it. So here in the first one, these folks, they lack understanding. There's a lack of understanding there. And that's why the enemy can come in. In the second one, there's a lack of root or strength. It hasn't become entrenched in them just yet. It hasn't become part of them. Think, here's, an, here's an example most of us can all enjoy. How many can think back to the days when you did not have a car? Did not have a car. And how did you get around? You, you bummed a ride. You walked. You rode your bicycle. You got around this, this way. But you, you got yourself around. You found a way to get around. And then you got a car and you had a job and you paid for the gas, you paid for the insurance and you could go anywhere that you wanted to. How many of you would, could go back to not having a car again? That'd be harder, wouldn't it? And I got I to walk. We don't walk two blocks. <laughs> Let alone walk where we used to be walking. I don't, I don't want to do that. Why? Because we got used to something else. It became entrenched in us. I feel like it's a right for me to have a car. You know, we look at the Bill of Rights. We think in there, transportation has got to be in there. I have a right to a car. We kind of think that's what it is. But we don't really have a right to a car. But we got rooted in us that this is the way that, that we go. This is the way that we do things. He's saying this to him. He who received the seed in the stony, stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Why is it your exercise program only endured for a while? Why is it your diet only endured for a while? Why is it your desire to not spend money only endured for a while? You didn't stick with it. And other things began to be attractive and you put your time and your attention to the other things. Well, instead of me doing that walk, I could be going out here and I could be doing this. Instead of me being on that diet, I could have myself a Big Mac. We can think of other things to do. And it just doesn't become entrenched in us. But once we get it entrenched, it's harder to do. There's more, there's more strength to it. Here's the next one. Now he receives seed among the thorns as he who hears the word and the cares of this world. Deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Notice that he becomes. That meant he was at one time fruitful, but he becomes unfruitful. So he received the seed among the thorns as he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. This would mean that this person received the word, had an understanding of it because the enemy didn't come and steal it. Right? It became entrenched in him. There was some strength to it because he, he passed by the, the second soil. He got all the way to the third one. He received seed among the thorns as he who hears the word and the cares of this world. Deceitfulness of riches choked the word and he becomes unfruitful. So he was fruitful, but he becomes unfruitful because these thorns, these other things came along and they began to, 
to sap the resources. If you've ever grown a vegetable garden, you know that there are weeds that will grow faster than your plants. And they try and choke out the nutrients, the light, the water, and they keep your plants that you want to grow small while they get huge. You don't got to do anything to the weeds. They'll just grow. They get big. You don't got to do anything to them. But the other stuff, you got to tend to, you got to feed, you got to water. You see, the stuff that you want in life, you got to work for. The stuff that you don't want, you don't have to do a thing about. It'll just happen. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit, produces some 100, some 60, and some 30-fold. Third group, they lack focus. They have a regard. I put this in parentheses. They have a regard for distractions. They regard distractions. They don't regard the word. They regard the distractions. If you're trying to save money, if your idea is I want to take some of the money I have and put it away and save it for, for other things, the enemy of that is stuff you don't need. Right? Oh, look at that. Oh, I could get that. Right? We, we, it pulls us over. I don't, I don't need one of these, but, oh, I could sure use one, though. I mean, Mm, I even look at that. It's shiny. It's colorful. It's it just it just looks good. I, I I can see myself in. I can see myself enjoying that. Or you drive by the car dealership, you know, and your car's fine. Your car's fine. There's no payment on your car. This is good. But oh, did you see that Mustang? Oh man, it was red and had that nice stripe down the front. Oh man, what if I just drive it? Maybe, I, maybe I, I just, I won't buy it. I'll just drive it. Right? So we go in there, we, we sit on down. He says, I like to drive that red Mustang. And so you go out there and you pull out the keys for the red Mustang. And here you go. And you go on down the road and you drive in the red Mustang. And what's, the, what's the red Mustang saying to you? Take me home. I will make you happy. Right? But then common sense is coming up on the inside of you and saying, uh, no, you don't want a $450 payment. That's going to impact you saving money. Yeah, but it's, it's just $450. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we can just, it's just $450. That's all. It, it's just 450 And so, you know, sometimes we'll say, well, I'll tell you what, I won't do that. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to buy this used Mustang. It's only $300 a month and I'll save 150 You didn't save 150 You spent $300 a month. That's the way the government figures out things. Saving money. Now, all these problems, I put this in your outline, all of these problems are found in themselves, those people. There's not a single problem he pinpoints that is a result of the enemy. Every single one of them is found in them. Yeah, but the first one, the enemy comes and steals the word. Only reason the enemy came and stole the word was because in them there was a... Lack of understanding. They didn't apply themselves to understand it. Without that, the enemy had no, no place to do it. What is in you gives the enemy place. Don't let them do it. The enemy cannot steal the word of God that you have. He can't do it. You have got to give him an opportunity. And Jesus is listed here. There's, here are three opportunities that the enemy will seize 
to steal the word that's in you. If the enemy wants to steal the word that's in you, then how many of you know the word is what was going to help you? If it wasn't going to help you, would the enemy care? He wouldn't care. But the enemy wants to get you. That's what, why some people, if you look at them, they hear the word year after year after year and they don't change. They don't get any better. They're not overcoming anything. Simply because they don't know what to do with it. They're not, or they do know what to do with it. They're just not doing it. Just distracted. They're going after other things. Going after other, other uh, priorities. No, you've got to go after what the word is. Hear the word and then go after getting an understanding of it. Pursue it. Remember back when we were doing the wisdom series? Remember what uh, Proverbs exhorted us to do? Above all things, get what? Get understanding and get wisdom. Above all things, get them. You need to have them. You had those things that would help you out immensely. All these problems are found in themselves and they give opportunity to the enemy. Now, here's the t- that was the teaching of the Word of God. Let's take a look at an example. I wanted to pull out an example of someone who the Word of God came to and didn't make too great of a change and then all of a sudden it did. And our example for that is Peter. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 25, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Isn't it amazing how many times we say what things are and we have no idea what they really are? It is a ghost. It didn't, they're not saying, what? maybe it's a ghost. It might be a ghost. No, the way they say it. It is a ghost. It is a ghost. How do you know? Well, <laughs> look, it is a ghost. No, it's not. It's Jesus. Jesus is not a ghost. They were wrong. Most people that are telling you what things are, are wrong. They're not based on anything factual. They're not based on anything spiritual. And they're wrong and they're passing it off as something else. Don't let them do it. And they cried out for fear. Well, see, when you get knowledge that's based on supposition and you act on it like it's true, you're going to have fear. When you have knowledge based on the Word of God, you won't have fear. Because Jesus says, or the Word tells us, He does not give us a spirit of fear but of love, peace, and a sound mind. So right there, when they cried out in fear, they should know it's not God. But they didn't know that. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. In other words, I'm not a ghost. It's me. Oh, it's Jesus. We're expecting you walking on the water. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So here's what he he says something to God. I want to have understanding on this. If this is you, tell me to come and walk on the water. And what does Jesus say? One word. Come. Jesus does not waste words. He does not waste words. He's a man of few words. He doesn't need a whole lot of words. He can say a whole lot in a little bit. He just says, come. So Peter jumps out of the boat, but Peter has a word from God, doesn't he? He has a word that came from God. Come. He acts on that word. He understands. Does he he have an understanding of what come means? 
He knows what come means. Come means, come here, come on, walk on the water. Because he, he said initially, if it is you, bid me to come, walk on the water. And Jesus said, come. So he, he has an understanding of that. Can the enemy steal this from him? No, he has an understanding of what come means. Come means, come. That's what it means. But you see, what the devil does is he, he gets the, the, the waves. He gets the, the fact that I'm walking on water. He gets the wind in his mind. He begins to think of these other things and loses focus on what God said, which was, come. And that's where we are. Too often, we, we lose focus on what God said and we focused on What's around us? What's going on around? Ooh, ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at that. And we get all concerned about what's going on around us. I get concerned about what the economy has to say. I, I, I listen to the news reports. Oh, I might lose my job. Oh, I'm not going to do so well. Oh, this and this is good. I, I, I get focused on that. If we got a health issue, we focus on what the doctor says. I'm afraid you're going to die. You know what a great response is? So are you. <laughs> right? I mean, you'll throw the doctor off with that. <laughs> doctor comes out to you, you are going to die. So are you. And say it with a smile. Be glad. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, we're all going to die. We are all going to die. God made sure of it because he took the tree of life out of the garden so we didn't eat of it and live forever. He didn't want us to live forever. He wanted us to die. Why? Because if we didn't die, we couldn't be redeemed. He wanted us to be redeemed. So when we die, guess what happens? Redemption. Glory to God. <laughs> so, glory to God, I am going to die. I am. This is exciting. Yeah, I still love that uh, show with uh, Monk. He was getting to the end, and the doctor came to him because he got poisoned. And I told Monk, he says, you're going to, uh, I forget all the symptoms, but they went over the symptoms you know, you're going to feel dizzy, you're going to vomit, you're going to this, and then you're going to die. And, and Monk was very concerned, very concerned, very concerned. I'm going to vomit? No, you're, you need to listen to me. You're going to get dizzy, you're going to vomit, you're going to this, and then you're going to die. Can, can we skip the vomiting part? No, you're not listening to me. Get, get, get a handle of this. You are going to die. He said, that's, that's fine. I don't, I don't care about it. But the vomiting. <laughs> Threw the doctor off of that. Just, don't care about dying. We shouldn't care about dying. We are going to die. It's all right. But see, Peter got focused on all this stuff around him that's here to kill him, trying to pull him down. Jesus says to him, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? He got the word from God. But he let all the other stuff affect him and pull him out of giving attention to my word. All he had to do was give attention to the word of God. What was the word of God? Come. God told me to come. I don't care what's going on around me. God told me to come. God told me to come to him. I'm going to God. I am going to Jesus. This is what I'm doing. I don't care about anything else. This is what I'm doing. Matthew 16, verse 13. Here's another time. 
When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philip, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So how did he get this revelation? From God. God spoke it to him. God witnessed it to him on the inside. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he spoke it out with his mouth. He had to give attention to it. When that revelation came to him, he had to focus on that. He had to give attention to it. He got it rooted down on the inside of him. It's there strong. When he says, who do you say to I am? Peter doesn't hesitate. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, all right, I didn't tell you this. Nothing else told you this. It was revealed to you. That's how you know it. So that was a good time. He got the word. He didn't let that one go. He got hold of that word and did not let it go. Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. From that time, from that time that Peter gave that revelation. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. In other words, you should be talking like this. We're getting the ministry going. People are coming along. People are excited. We don't want really to talk about you dying. This is not going to help us. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, where did the idea come that he needed to rebuke Jesus? Did it come from God? No. Came from Satan. Understand this. Just because you are born again does not mean that you are immune from Satan's own seed and a thought on the inside of you. He can do it. The devil can come along and sow thoughts and sow things on the inside of you. Do not take them. You don't need them. You've got to judge. The Word of God says, judge the spirits. Don't just take it. Judge it. Have you ever heard somebody, certainly not here, but other places, husband and wife, the wife begins to think, I think my husband is, is doing this. And it begins to, to drive some. The husband thinks, I don't think my wife loves me. Does that thought come from God? Is that the kind of thought God would sow? But yet many Christian people begin to meditate on those thoughts. And it drives wedges. It drives things in between. Why? Because the enemy came along and sowed a thought. Is this a thought that would come from God? Would God give you a revelation? Your wife, your husband doesn't care about you. Yeah, I knew it. That's not God. It's the enemy. Meditate on that kind of stuff, it's going to hurt you. Don't do it. Satan put this thought into Peter. Peter meditated on it, thought about it, heard Jesus talking about this. And after a while, it got to be too much. And Peter says, you know what? You shouldn't be talking like this. And Jesus ministered to them how many times? We went over this before. How many times has Jesus ministered to them that he was going to be arrested, beaten, crucified, buried, and on the third day, he would be raised up? Before he gets in Jerusalem for the final event, he pulls them aside and says, guys, I'm going to be the son of man. That's me. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to be crucified. And on the third day, I'm going to rise up. All right. Yeah, we got it down. All right. You got it. Third day. Got it. Third day. 
How many times he had told them all that time since this point, since Matthew 16, all the way up until we just finished reading Matthew 28. That's a lot of chapters. He kept going over with them. Arrested, beaten, tortured, crucified, buried, dead. Third day raised. They kept hearing it. But it didn't get in them. Simply because of this. We're not, not understanding it. The enemy is stealing this thing away. And we even went back through and looked at the disciples. And they were on the road talking to Jesus. What are you so sad about? Well, haven't you heard? Jesus of Nazareth. He was crucified. They killed him. They buried him. And this is the third day. And now some people are saying that he's raised up. <laughs> they, they, they recited exactly what Jesus said. And it didn't dawn on them. That's what Jesus said was going to happen. And they're still sad. So he made them resistant to that. Matthew 26, verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep and the flock will be scattered. How many of you know that some things that God will reveal to you are not always nice? It's not always something that you want to hear. This was not something they wanted to hear. He's quoting the scripture. All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised... I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all were made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Now, these other guys, I understand. <laughs> they might give up on you, but I'm not giving up on you. I'm going to be there. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Are they receiving this word from Jesus? They are not receiving this word. Not. Jesus is speaking a direct word to them. Peter, this is what's going to happen to you. He first says this is what's going to happen to all of you. And then when Peter voices up, Peter, this is what's going to happen to you. Now, Peter could have taken that in and done something with it, but he didn't. He resisted it. No, 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 I'm not giving attention to that. <laughs> you are wrong there. That's not going to happen with me. And uh, what happened with Peter? He denied him three times. And he was very sad about that. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to, start to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He pulled these three out and he let a side of him be seen by them that he didn't show to the other nine. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to who? Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You can keep on going and reading that story. But what happens again? They fall asleep. Jesus spoke a word directly to him. And what's he do? He's not giving any attention to it, is he? I, I, I need to be praying here. He just told me I'm going to deny him. That's a temptation. He just told me I'm going to deny him three times. He just gave me an opportunity to come here and to pray with him. And he says, pray that you do not enter into temptation. So I need to pray. And he fell asleep. Jesus came over and woke him up. Come on, let's go. You can pray. You can still do this thing. 
pray that you enter not, not into temptation. What's he do with the words? He may believe them. He may believe the source, but he's not applying it. It's like the person who wants to exercise and lose weight, but they don't want to get up in the morning and go, go run or walk or lift or bicycle or whatever it is they're supposed to do. I don't want to, oh, I don't, don't want to do that this morning. Oh, I don't want to do that now. Oh, it's cold. Oh, it's hot. Oh, it's rainy. Oh, it's just not a good day. I just don't feel like it. I'm tired. I need another half hour of sleep. Whatever it might be, we're not, we're not pulling this stuff in. Now, Peter eventually got changed. And I want to take a look at the story of where he got changed and how he did differently. In Acts chapter 10, verse 10, if you're here on Wednesday nights, we spent more time on this uh, some time ago when we were in Acts. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. This is talking about Peter. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down on the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, the birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unclean or common. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry from Simon's house or for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Here's the vision. Get this. Peter is hungry. He's staying at a tanner's house. And that's just a funny story just by itself. But we're not going to get into all that part of it. He's staying at the tanner's house and he goes up on the roof. And if you wonder why he's up on the roof, you've never been inside of a tanner's house. It smells. So he goes up to the, to the roof, get away from it for a little while. But he's hungry. And while he is hungry, he falls into a trance and has a vision. And in this vision, God brings down to him on, on a sheet, four corners, all these, all these things. You can eat this. Come on, you're hungry. Go ahead and eat. He sees it as a temptation. No, not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything unclean or common. And God says to him, what I have called clean, don't you dare call common. And this happened three times. And then it went back up into heaven. Now, how many of you need to ponder that to figure out what it means? Take a look at the evidence. First off, you're hungry. Right? Secondly, the vision deals with food. What is one of the applications we get from this vision? That bacon is okay. Right? How many are glad bacon is okay? Glory to God, going out for a bacon cheeseburger right after church. Bacon is okay. We, we, we like that. Pork sandwiches. Glory to God. Right? And all the other things that, that go on and that can be there. Look at what Peter does after the vision comes. He's hungry. This is a vision about food. God has said, I've called these things clean. And he wonders, all right, I see this vision. What do you think God's trying to say to me? You see the, a change in Peter? What would the old Peter have done? Glory to God. Where's a pig? I'm going to eat a pig. God told me I can do it. Now he's pondering this. What should I do with this vision? What does it mean? And while he is pondering the vision, while he's thinking about this, verse 17 says, Now while Peter wondered within himself, 
what this vision which he had seen meant. Behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius made inquiry at Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. That's pretty neat that you get sent by God. Go to a certain city, go to a certain house, ask for Peter. And he's going to come along. He's going to tell you some things for that. And if you go on, the story, the story is fascinating. I'm amazed at how many things we miss on, in this story. But it's absolutely a fascinating story. Because Peter gets this vision from God, basically, that Gentiles are not common. That's the meaning of the vision. And that's what he gets from it. Because he says, I shouldn't have anything to do with you guys, but I had a vision beforehand, and God showed me what he has called clean is not common. He got that meaning out of it. He didn't get the food meaning. He got the, he got the people meaning out of it. And there were no people in the vision. But he pressed in to get understanding from God. And that's what God told him. So he goes on the, on the basis of this with the men. And the man knows that he's coming. And so he gets his huge house filled with people. And they all come in to hear Peter. We're, Peter's coming. He's going to have a word from God for us. Because God told us to go get him. And so Peter comes to the house, and Cornelius is there. He's got this whole group. He's not just meeting them. He's got this whole group. And so Peter says, all right, I'm here. Why am I here? And so they tell him the whole story. Well, we had questions, and and God told us to get you, so tell us. They're expecting that God told Peter something to tell them, and Peter's expecting that they have something to ask him. And they get there, and Peter finds out, they're not asking me anything. And Cornelius finds out God didn't tell him to tell us anything. He just told us to get him. And so then Peter opened his mouth and he began to teach. And he let God fill it. What a change. It's a, it's a phenomenal chapter. It's a great chapter. We're just looking at this one part. Going back there and check out the whole chapter. It's neat. Look what happens when he opens up his mouth. And he, he just, he didn't, he, he was expecting people to say, all right, what's your question? And then he'd answer it. But that's not what happened. And he was ready for it. He was ready to go. But you see this? When God speaks something to you, ponder it. Spend some time on it. Get the understanding of it down on the inside. Give attention to His words. Incline your ear to His sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those who what? They are life unto those who find them. And health to all their flesh. When God speaks a word to you through his written word, through a revelation of his written word, or his spirit tells you something, what should you do? Ponder it. Think on it. Over and over and over and over. Get the meaning of what that means for you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There are things that are trying to slow you down. And God wants to give you revelation on what they are so that you can get rid of them. He wants to open up your eyes so that you can see this is hindering you. This is holding you back. 
let it go. And along the way of your Christian walk, He's going to begin to show you more and more things that will help you in your Christian walk. He's calling it a race. And so we made an acronym up for this. So you see in your, your blank lines there, you got four blank lines and a little space there. Just put in there R-A-C-E. We're going to make one out of race. As you can remember this verse. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You are in a race. Whether you like to run or not, you are in a race. Here's the first thing. First thing that I help you in this race, receive. When God sends you revelation, receive it. Receive it. You cannot receive it if you doubt the source. But you better check out the source. You better know it's from God. Because the Word of God tells us, test the spirits. Make sure that what you, you got, it came from God. Test the spirits. Receive. If it's something from God, I want to receive it. Have you ever received a package from UPS, FedEx, or the U.S. Postal Service came to your house, came to your door, and it's not your name. It's not yours. It belongs to somebody else. Maybe it's got your neighbor's name on it. it. belongs to them. They gave it to the wrong place. I'm sure it's happened to you. It's happened to me. And it's not for us to receive. It's not intended for me. I need to find out, is that package intended for me? Is it mine? If it is then I need to get it. I need to have understanding of it. I need to get it so it's entrenched in me. I need to make it so that cares of this world can't crowd it out. I've got to receive what comes from God. If it doesn't come from God, what should I do? Not receive it. I, I, don't, I don't want that. I, I, I don't want that. that, that that's not good. And I, I, I don't need to receive it. Should we receive it? That's the question that we should have. How many of y'all following the thing going on down the border? With the, the thing with the kids? And, uh, and don't let the administration fool you. They are not surprised by this. January the 29th, they, the administration published an a, uh, a advertisement and asked for contractors to help move and re... Um, uh, 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 what do they call it? Um, that I, I forget the term they used had to move the people the, the around. They were expecting 65,000 children. January the 29th, the administration published that to ask for third-party contractors to help move 65,000 children. Think that's a surprise? Think they were surprised that these folks came in? There's a reason why that they came in to really get into the whole thing. Isn't it amazing that the Mexican government allowed the trains to pass from their southern border, pass through their northern border into our place without any problem? Doesn't that seem odd to you? The same Mexican government who is holding now for, what, 105, 106 days a Marine who made a wrong turn and ended up in their territory, apologized for it and said, I'm sorry, it wasn't marked well, I got into the wrong spot. The same Mexican government who sent a helicopter shooting at some of our people over our border. These are all things that have happened in the last weeks, month. Not, not, we're not talking long, long time ago. This is the stuff that's going on. The same administration that told the state of Arizona 
you cannot drive vehicles on this entire expanse of area and guard the border. Same administration who sued the state of Arizona for enforcing federal law. One of the, how many remember Ellis Island? Anybody ever go to Ellis Island? Anybody not ever go to Ellis Island? If you never went to Ellis Island, go. Go. Don't go up. To, I mean, you can go see the Statue of Liberty. That's all fine. But Ellis Island, oh, man, that will move you. That will move you. I looked at the, the stats. I forgot what it was. But the amount of people who moved through Ellis Island over the course of years, and you look at how they were set up, and you think they're going to handle these, this number of, of people. The purpose of Ellis Island was to make sure that people were healthy. They were coming in. That's why they had the hospital. Because they didn't want any communicable diseases coming into the country. Do you know none of that is being done for any of these kids? In fact, I don't know if you heard any of this going on, but in the Senate, a senator, uh, John McCain, was told by an appointed official, not even an elected one, an appointed one, that they as a senator cannot go into the camps with a camera. No media are allowed to go into the camps. They don't want anyone going into the camps to see what's going on in the camps. Does that seem right? But it's killed its kids, and they're going to play off the people's emotions. These are children. Can you imagine? I, I don't know what the number's up to now. Last I heard was 65,000. I've heard as many as 300,000 kids at the border. Can you imagine all of a sudden the parents of infants and young children all getting an idea to put their kids on a train without parental supervision to make the trek from South America to the United States on their own. Can you imagine? Can you, is, is that, would that happen? You as a parent, if you had an infant who was still in diapers, would you put them on a train? There's a whole lot going on down there. I could spend a whole lot more time on it. And uh, it's once again a deception by our government to try and get us to do something. They're trying to pass amnesty to get all these people that are here illegally legalized. You tell me how that's going to help. How does that help that situation? How does that change that situation down there one bit? It doesn't change it at all. All it does is make more people come. I don't know if you know this, but they've already dispersed a number of the, of the kids. Do you know that they are allowed on a plane without an ID? They are allowed on a plane with a, with a document that you can make on your home computer. They are allowed on the plane. There's no watermark. There's no official seal. You could print one of these on your home computer and show it to the airlines and they will let you on. So these kids that are not screened for any communicable diseases are put on planes and flown to people that they say are their relatives. But they've done no background check to make sure that their relatives are relatives. None. In fact, there's no paper trail to even know where the kids went to. They don't even verify that the people that they put them in charge of are citizens. This is out their own mouths. And this is a group of people that are protecting our borders. Should we receive them? Well, they're children. See, the enemy often packages things in, 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 in ways that will tug at your emotional heartstrings. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. We have rules. We have laws. The laws are there for a reason. They're there to protect the citizens. They're there to protect the people that are, that are here. We've done more as a country to help others. We, we have more 
people who uh, immigrate to the United States than any other country around. We're doing more for that. Don't let anybody tell you that we're not helping. We're doing more than our fair share as far as the world is concerned. Anyway, there's a whole lot more going on that. If you haven't done any, anything, you ought to find out about it. Let your uh, senators and, and folks know where you stand on it. Because um, otherwise we're receiving stuff that we probably shouldn't receive. And it's just going to be more. It's just going to keep on coming by and, and get more. Have you heard of any of the people who live in the communities where they're putting them? Have you heard what they're being put through? Without any help, without any assistance, they are expected to, to do it. They've gotten churches involved. And the churches are pulling their people to get involved and they're telling them all the same thing. You cannot tell anyone about this. They're telling the doctors who are taking care of the kids, you cannot reveal anything that you find out. Doctors have been told that. A few doctors wouldn't listen. They told it anyway. I know they're not, it's not being covered, but we've got a situation going on, folks. We've got a situation going on. Should you receive it? There are things that are coming your way all the time. Should you receive what's coming? The enemy can send you stuff. So can God. When you determine... The source is God. You need to grab hold of that thing and not let it go. Because this is something that God sent you. This is something that God sent to help you. You need to attend to his words. You need to look at those words like these are life. This is what I need now. I need to first off receive it. If I'm going to finish this race, I've got to receive the things that God sends me and not reject them. But I need to reject those things that are not from God. So I need to be able to discern. Receive them. Here's the second one. Attend. Attend. I need to give attention to the Word of God. When God speaks something to me, I need to attend to it. How do I attend to the words that He's given me? I do it. If God says, Steve, I got this revelation for you. Here you go. What do I need to do? Do it. Do it. Keep doing it. What if it becomes hard? What if it becomes difficult? Do it. Attend to it. If God gave me this to do, then I need to attend to it. Paul was given the, the command from God, the, the, the voice from take the word of God to the Gentiles. Was it easy for Paul? Did Paul face some struggles? He sure did. He faced a lot of struggles. Beatings, shipwrecks. All kinds of stuff he, he, he talked about. But he kept on going. He kept on doing it. He attended to the words that God had given him. What's some of the words that God has spoken to you? What are you doing with it? Receive, attend. Here's the next one. Correct. If I'm going to attend to the words that God has given me, I've got to take those words that he has given me and I've got to make the corrections that I need to make. When God gives me something, there's, there's correction involved. All right, Steve, you've been doing it this way, and it's been okay, but now you need to change it. Now you need to go this direction. Now you need to do this with it over here. Oh, I see that. I hadn't, I hadn't understood that before. Now I see I need to make that correction. I need to make that adjustment. I need to, to, to go this way. And then I need to attend to it. You all know that when you make a correction in something, the thing that you're trying to correct, it wants to go a different way. Right? It wants to go in a, in a different direction. It doesn't like the direction that you're trying to change. The easiest thing I can tell you about this one is uh, how many have ever changed your hairstyle? 
you change your hairstyle, what happens to your hair? I, I get amazed that hair can learn. I'm just amazed at it. But, pair, but hair, it learns things. It learns, you know, a long time ago, I, I, did, uh, I had a part in my long time, decades. Decades ago. I had a part in my hair. And I had one part going over to the left side and one part going over to the right side. And that's the way I did it. I had a part in my hair this way, that way. That's how it went. Long, 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 long time ago. And, um, you know, I thought my parents, probably no one around knows my sisters, stuff like that. But, um, but when I got the idea, I, I, remember, I remember the very day I sat, went into the, this hair cutter and I said, I don't like the hairstyle. I want something different. I want something I don't have to think about. I should have had the wisdom that this man right here did. <laughs> you do not have to think about your hair anymore. It's, it's good. That's, that's what I wanted. I wanted something like that. But they didn't have that wisdom that you had right there. So he said, he said, I think we can do something with that. And so he changed it up. And, he, and you know, it, it took a little while for my hair to learn. I, I, I'd comb it straight back. And instead, it, it wants to go over to the side. And so the next day, I'd wash it again. I'd comb it straight back. You know what it wants to do? It wants to go over to the side. And so I kept fighting with it. I kept combing it straight back. And it wants to... Go over to the side. But after a while of combing it straight back, it forgot about going to the side. And it, and it goes back. I don't have to think about it. I don't got to do a whole lot with it anymore. Glory to God. I don't have to think about my hair. I don't have to blow dry it. I wash my hair. I comb it back. And I'm out. It is so good. It is so good. I don't have to always, hardly ever have to look in the mirror to see if my hair's messed up. Because you know what? It's not. As long as I keep it short. If it's, it can start getting long, we've got problems. I had to go over the hair cutter because, you know, I've got to think about it too much. But you see, it's just like that. You've you got, you got a habit you've been doing. You've got a way that you've been going. And God says, all right, that's been okay for you in the walk that you want. But if you want more, if you want to go in something better, th- this is a correction you're going to have to make. And you make that correction and your, your flesh wants to go back to the other way. And you've got to make the correction again. And your flesh wants to... Go back to the other way. And you got to make the correction again because I'm attending to the word. I'm attending to the revelation that I got from God. I'm giving my attention to it and I'm making the correction. No, no, we're not doing it that way anymore. We're doing it this way. This is what God told me to do. And I do that. And the next day and the next day and the next day. And pretty soon. It's pretty easy. And then God says, all right, you got that down. Now we're ready for another correction. But until you got that correction done, I couldn't do this one with you. But now you got that one done, we can work on this. So now I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to go into another, another place because I take that correction. Here's the last one. Receive, attend, correct, endure. Endure. There are things that will come against you to try and distract you, to try and pull you in a different direction. Try and make you think that the correction you made is not helping. To try and question whether that came from God. You need to receive from God. You need to attend to what He says. You need to make the corrections that He He shows you to make. And endure. Do that thing. You keep doing that. Your race will be a whole lot better. You will be a whole lot better in that race. Pride or other unhealthy heart conditions will hinder or stop you from doing any or all of these. That's why we've got to make sure our heart is right. Got to make sure that the things are going on in our heart are correct. Pride will mess you up. 
You've got pride, you won't take correction from God. You won't even receive stuff from God. People in pride, folks, won't receive anything that they don't decide is right. I can receive something from God that I don't know is right yet, but I know that's, that's God. I know that's God. I've checked out the source. That's God. I know that's God, but boy, I don't like that. But I can receive it. But pride will say, I don't like that. I don't have to take that. Pride, God can't correct people in pride. Can't do it. Receive, attend, correct, and endure. You do those things, you're going to see a change. When the word comes to you, it will not be long until it has an effect on your body, on your mind, on your spirit. It will have an effect because you put it to work. People who hear the word and never change are people who don't, first off, receive it. They certainly don't attend to it. They don't apply any correction and they have absolutely no endurance. Well, yeah, all right. I don't have to believe that report. And as soon as the doctor comes and says, you're going to die, what do they say? Oh, I was believing God. I thought this would change. I didn't think it was going to be this way. And now I'm going to die. You have no endurance. You've got no endurance. You've got to build up some of that endurance. You can endure. And when God speaks something to you, it can have a life-altering effect. And it begins to just ripple through your body. And pretty soon, when God speaks something to us, it takes us days and weeks to do what took us months or years. And when you get to that place, you can start making some changes. We use this example a lot, but Moses, one from a place of a guy who was basically useless, not doing anything at all. And in less than a year, became the man that God would speak to face to face. A man who would stand up in front of a king and tell him what for and was not afraid. The change that went on in Moses from the burning bush until the second plague are astounding. First plague, he had a, still had a little bit of wrestle, but once he got to that second plague, you, guys, you see a different Moses. Different Moses. And when he gets to the wilderness, he's, he's in high gear. When God speaks something to him, it takes him hours to days to make changes that he couldn't do before in 40 years. He learned how to do it. He learned how to do it. I want to become one of those people that when God speaks to me, changes happen right away. We don't wait. When I take in the Word of God, it has an effect upon me. I don't just hear the Word and 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 hear the Word because the Word of God says, don't be mere hearers, but be doers doers of the Word. I got to be a doer, not just a hearer. I got to be a doer. I got to do the word that I hear. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you. You have been so good to us. You have tolerated the times when we have not received from you, the times that we have not attended to your words. And anytime we come back and say, Father, I have been guilty of not attending to your words. You say, all right, let's pick up and go from here. And you're ready to go with us. And we thank you for it. Father, we want to make a renewed commitment to you. To serve you. To hear from you. And to attend to your words. With every head bowed. No one looking around. If you're here today and you say, this, me, this speaks to me. I need to be more attentive to the words of God. And I've, God has given me some things that I can do. Even today, 
to be more attentive to His words. If no one looking around, raise your hand. We want to pray for you this morning right where you are. Because I'm one of those people. I'm going to attend to the words. Glory to God. Father, you see these hands that are raised? I thank you, Father, for the way that you speak to them. The way that they will hear the words that you say and attend to them. We have to first hear your words. After we hear it, we need to receive it. And we need to attend. We need to give our attention to the things that you say. Make the corrections where they're necessary and then endure. Endure. And Father, I thank you for the help that you give us in that. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you made that commitment today, make it, focus on it. Give attention to it. Don't let it just be something that you forget about. No, I'm going I'm to attend to the words of God. I'm going to attend to what God has told me to do. And we're going to do those things. I'm sure we have some praise reports. See, my wife is over in the other room with the, with the baby. She might have some of them with her. I know we had some already turned in, right? If you don't have a praise report turned in yet and you had one to write down, raise your hand up. Ray will get you something. And we got one right over here. And uh, anyone else who has one, um, you want to see if she has any? She didn't? I thought she was giving something. There's one up here. <laughs> All right. Uh, for Alyssa and Nikolai, an unexpected $800 bill came up this week. God brought enough money in through odd jobs and other venues, things for us to pay it in full and not get charged 30% interest. Hey, glory to God. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, Chris Barnish, uh, Ryan, sitting, uh, he got the job up in New York that he, he was out there applying for. We talked about last week. And um, Ryan graduated from uh, Penn State in May. And this is his first job, and it's a dream job. The number one choice on this list, and uh, number one employer to work for. All right, that's good to, to hear. Anyone else with a with a praise report to turn in?